Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Exploring NSWC Crane podcast, another episode of Cheng Chat. I'm your host, Lori Zipes, the Command Chief Engineer at Crane. Joining me today is Mr. Phil Smith, who is a Cheng in our JXQ division. If you listened to our first episode of Cheng Chat, you might remember that I'd offered to Jason Bailing the opportunity to pick my next guest, and Phil was his nominee. And I want to start by saying that I wasn't sure how you would react to this, Phil, because not everyone likes to do things like this, but you were very willing to engage. And it struck me that that is a very Chang kind of response. We often have these things thrown at us that we weren't expecting and maybe have never done before. And it's our job to just jump in, figure out and get it done. So I was really pre pleased with your positive response to this. And I thought, well, yeah, that's a good Chang. <laughs> so, uh, so welcome. And let's begin with you sharing with our listeners a little bit more about where you work at Crane and the career path that led you to be in this role. I work over in JXQ. So electro optics technology. Um, and I've been in the division for, I guess, three and a half years now. Um, but I started at Crane 21 years ago um, over in what was then 8074. So uh, now it's WXM, uh, Maritime Electronic Warfare. Um, and I spent quite a few years over there. Um, started off, uh, my background is I, I'm an electrical engineering uh, degree. Um, started off working decoys, so electronic countermeasures over in, in WXM. Um, started as an entry-level engineer, eventually became a project lead, did that for a few years, got to learn kind of the financial aspects of uh, program management, that kind of stuff. Um, then became a branch manager. I was a branch manager for about six years. Um, got experience, right, managing people and those those types of things. And then uh, ended up getting the Chang job over in Electro-Optics. And so I've been there ever since. For someone who doesn't know a lot about what we do at Crane, uh, can you ex describe the significance of our mission and what it means to you to fulfill a Cheng role here? When I came to Crane, um, I understood the importance of you know making sure that we provide our warfighter with uh, the you know the latest technology, the best weapons. Make sure that we can outpace our adversaries and and give them things that are reliable that work um, and that you know help them give them a, st a strategic advantage over adversaries. I'm a, I come from a military family. I, I was never enlisted, but um, I've got lots of family um, from my you know, grandparents to my dad to lots of uncles and um, who all served. Um, and so it's I've always kind of grew up with a bit of a reverence for the military and, and, the, and the importance of it and appreciation for it. When I got here, I kind of had that that innate understanding that, hey, this job is important. You know, it's important to provide them with good equipment. I will say after being here a couple of years, my first time actually on a ship. So I was about 25 years old and went on a ship to do a, a failure investigation for a, a decoy system we had had an issue with. And it really kind of hit me how young everybody was, right? So you had a bunch of the, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds that were, you know, younger than me with really a lot of responsibility and they were handling dangerous equipment. And, um, and so that really hit me like, man, this, <laughs> this is, this is a big deal. These are, these are kids, you know, I was 25 and not very old myself, but they were kids to even me. So, um, so that really, I think, kind of hit me with just how important it is to, you know, keep those people safe, make sure we give them stuff that works. And, um, and then also the, the understanding that, you know, they're putting themselves in harm way, harm's way all the time. Every time they, they go someplace, um, you know, on a, you know, on a Navy ship, uh, you know, you've got people not that far away that would like for something bad to happen to them. And our job is obviously to, to keep them safe, make sure, um, that doesn't happen. 
That's a really that's a really great discussion. I have I have a similar you know part of my career where I was engaged with the fleet, really hands on, you know, shipboard and 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 replacing some gear for them. They were really happy to have the new gear, right? And I had the same reaction, right? So young and so much responsibility, walking around an aircraft carrier, literally a floating mini city, right? And it really really hits you how important this work is that we do. And it may not feel like it sometimes when you're back in the lab, you know, doing little nitnoid things with your op amp or whatever, right? Um, but but when you see where that ultimately ends up, uh, it really it really drives home the importance of that. And it's really different about crane as opposed to out in commercial industry where you're, you know, building next I, I, you know, iPhone or something like that. Yeah, so it yeah, really is a yeah. different mission. And I think for us as, as Chang's, right, this, this leadership, uh, the technical leadership, right, like being really certain, as you mentioned, right, giving them really good gear, giving them really quality product, um, and then staying aware of the leading edge that we give them the best gear, right, to, to, keep, uh, to keep all our adversaries uh, on their toes. Um, so yeah, it's a great, I think it's a nice alignment that the Chang job with, with what our missions are. So appreciate your thoughts on that. Talking about quality of, of, of our products and, and the phrase technical rigor comes up a lot in our world with chief engineers. Um, so I mentioned it when Sandy was interviewing me um, probably almost a year ago and he asked me to explain what that was and I, I tried to explain <laughs> best I could what technical rigor means. Uh, and, and I think Jason mentioned it as well. And so I, I, you know, it's it's typically about you know the, the processes and 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 having you know repeatability in what we do and uh, and um, the procedures and things like that. And I worry that people um, misunderstand that, misinterpret it as being sort of um, just beholden to really meticulous, detailed work and generating lots of paperwork, and it just slows us down. Uh, and that's not really true, right? And, and we do uh, what we often refer to as tailoring, which is this idea of um, understanding all of the things we should do for flawless execution but realizing that we sometimes can't do all of that, right? Uh, and, and, and making some thoughtful decisions about that. So can you talk a little bit about, from your perspective, the technical rigor and how we tailor technical rigor? Um, and with your differing, differing experiences in your career, I think you're a great person to talk about this because you've been in a couple different departments, different warfare areas, right? Um, and so uh, talk a little bit about what it means to you to do tailoring of our technical rigor and then maybe some examples if you can share any. Technical rigor is incredibly important when we do. Um, yeah, obviously, we want our stuff to work. We want it to be consistent. We want to be able to defend you know, the, our test results, those kinds of things. And so it's incredibly important. Um, at the same time, it does take a little bit of time, right? Sometimes it adds, it adds time. So um, when, you, when you talk tailoring, I think we do that a lot, right? So you know, just some examples, right? We're, right now, we have uh, kind of a developmental system that we're kind of working on. Um, it's called OASIS. I think it's Open Architecture Surrogate Imaging Seeker, I think, if I got that right. But, um, but it's, it's a, a very developmental system, and it's something we basically strap a bunch of sensors, um, EO sensors, on a tripod, and we're testing how well tracking algorithms and stuff work, so target trackers and stuff like that. Um, but it's very developmental. So, you know, right now we go out, we take it out, we want to see how it works, but we're not doing really detailed quantitative type tests. It's more qualitative. We're trying to learn how the system works. We're trying to figure out where the bugs are and because it's, you know, we're developing it. We're trying to make it suited to eventually maybe field it and, and hopefully use it uh, more purposefully. But um, but that doesn't require quite as much rigor because I don't need to necessarily, when if I'm going out to just kind of get an understanding for how the thing works, right? And I want to turn it on. I want to put it through its paces and just kind of get a rough idea how things work. Um, that requires a different level of rigor than, say, uh, testing a laser designator that's going to be used for a Hellfire missile system and making sure that that thing is aligned, right? Um, I think it helps to ask, well, what's the worst thing that can happen uh, if it doesn't work? Um, and if it's my Hellfire missile is going to miss my target 20 yards to the right, um, that's you don't want to be there, right? That's a, that's a bad day. Um, so 
you know, the level of rigor you have to incorporate into that type of testing and, and fielding that asset versus maybe what's right now a very developmental kind of thing that you're just trying to get, you know, get a feel for how it works and how you may be able to use it in the future. Um, I think that's, you know, that's kind of the difference, right? Um, so rigor is incredibly important, but there's a balance and it, it comes down to another thing we talk about a lot is changes risk management, mm -hmm, right? Is, yeah. is, is figuring out like, well, what is the real risk and, and, and how do you buy down that risk by incorporating more rigor and, and, and how much do you need to buy that risk down? If I'm dealing with a Hellfire missile, I, I don't want it. <laughs> it's gotta, it's gotta work. It's gotta hit the target I'm aiming at. Um, and, and some other things, maybe you can, you can kind of lay off some of the rigor, um, so that. For expediency and efficiency and to be able to move a little faster sure exactly and that, that that comes to mind for me a lot too when we talk about tailoring is the speed because we're just we're under so much pressure now to move more rapidly and be more responsive to the changing needs of, of, of warfare and then the changing technologies that we have at our disposal right and uh and so yeah i think speed is a is a real uh forcing function for us to do the tailoring and to me that's another thing that i think is really critical for the folks in our Cheng roles to really have this deep understanding of what the rigor you know, normally is and then can really think critically about, in this case, if we've got to move faster, what can we drop from the rigor process, right? Uh, you know, that, that isn't gonna leave us with what we sometimes call technical debt, right? Like something later on that's gonna affect us negatively. Uh, and so that I think it's a really critical skill for Chengs to be able to understand the fundamentals of technical rigor, but also be able to say, when can we cut a corner basically? Because we need to, right? Uh, for good reason uh, in, in the world that we're in. So how about, what are some keys to success as a Cheng for you? I, I think it's important to be able to, uh, well, so there's a lot of, I, I count on, in order to be successful as a division and really as a Chang, I count on a lot of people, right? So there's a lot of people, and, and I'm fortunate enough to work with a lot of very intelligent, very capable um, people who, who think their jobs are important, right? And who want to do good things. And so I think you have to have those soft skills. You have to, one, have a strong technical background. You have to understand, um, you know, engineering rigor and, and those kinds of things. Um, but you also have to be able to work with people and get buy-in on decisions and things like that, because I mean, nobody works for me either. Right. So, um, you know, so I can't, I don't threaten people with pay points, right. Right. If they, if they don't do what I need them to do. Right. So, um, at the end of the day, you know, we're a team, we all have to work together and I, I, I have to, you know, make sure, I think as a Chang, you have to make sure you can, you can lead, um, by example, probably not with a hammer so much, right. It's, it's, it's really a, a back and forth conversation with the workforce and the branch managers and, and trying to make sure that we do what we need to do and what makes sense to do. Um, you also have to be considerate of, you know, what their needs are, right? What, what, and cause you know, sometimes it's hard to get to incorporate rigor. Like we just kind of just talked about, right. Cause we've all got timelines we got to meet and we've got budgets we've got to keep and those kinds of things. And, and so it, it, it really is a back and forth and you have to be able to um, communicate and, and make sure that, you know, we, you know, you kind of you know, view yourself as a, a leader of a team, right? And and be able to kind of work those uh, to where everybody gets what they need and, and can field stuff and and and, and work together. Um, I like to listen. Again, I'm fortunate enough to work with a lot of very very smart people, right? So I don't think a good approach would be to just come in and say this is the way it has to be done, right? Um, plus, there's frankly people closer to the work than I am day to day, right? So their input is incredibly valuable, right? And you want to make sure. Um, that you get input and, and, and use that in your decision making and, and help really instead of going in with a hammer, it's, it's a way to influence and, and try to make sure that, you know, we all kind of see eye to eye and are trying to do things 
um, appropriately. Yeah, absolutely. That communication always key, right? It comes up in every, I think every job job that you ask, what's the key to success, right? It's communication. But I, I do agree with you. I think that's really critical in the roles that we're in because we don't have anyone directly working for us. And I love what you said about, you know, trying to make sure you understand, you know, your the people that you're working with understand their perspective, right? Yeah, and yeah. understand the world that they're living in, which is also true for me and the role that I'm in, right? Like I, at, at the command level, I have to really dig down deep. Um, nobody comes and tells me what they're doing, right? I have to go find out kind of what they're doing. Uh, and it's that same perspective of understanding what they're dealing with and understanding then how I can offer some places where there's maybe something that, that could be, that could help, right? Or things that are happening persistently across command. So that listening and, and proactively reaching out, right? To yeah. get that conversation started, I think is the hard part. And I think when we're in these roles, where it's uh, it's it's in leading by influence, right? The the proactive need to go out and do those communications, have those communications, is really important. So totally agree with you there. Yeah, I try to not take a very authoritative approach right. when when problem solving, and also have a recognition that there's usually more than one way to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and that's that's a good thing, right? right. Um, and so, you know, you always want to be able to listen to the, especially the people executing the work, you know, what works best for you. And, and I can leverage off of my breadth of experience and, and just try to, you know, maybe point out where, again, where the risk is, what things you're worried about. Um, and, and then we have a kind of a, a mutual conversation or what's the best way to do this right yeah. across all the options that are available to yeah. us. Yeah. Yep. And it's great when we work, like you said, with the really smart people, because a lot of times they'll bring things to the table that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, you know, I'm a, right. you know me, I'm a, I'm a go, go girl. Like, yeah. let's get some stuff done. Right. I think I have an answer. And I, and I, it's, you know, over time I've learned that even though my answer might be okay, somebody else might have something better. Right? That's right. And, yep. and taking that time to have those good conversations with the, with the people you've built these relationships with, where you have a good, you know, uh, ability to communicate and have the influence and just to get their influence as well, um, really makes us all successful. So yeah, really that team, team perspective has really, really been great. Um, and I enjoy working all of, with all of the, our Changs here across the command in that regard, because I think it's a great, a great group with just wonderful different experiences and personalities. And, and yeah, we were definitely stronger together, as they say, right? It's really very true, even in the technical world, the, the, all the, the, the um, thoughtful experiences that people have brings strength, strength to the final decision. Changing topics a little bit uh, or changing uh, flavor of discussion. Uh, we actually found out a few months ago that we're kind of neighbors up, up oh, in Bloomington, yeah, yeah, right? Yep, we we yep. live in the same neighborhood yep. up in Bloomington. And so, uh, so it's a great neighborhood, lots of crane employees in there. It's a great location. Um, but so what do you like to do in our little college town up there? What kinds of things keep you busy after work? What are your hobbies? So I've got a uh, 14-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. So uh, I feel like the most of my free time is uh, <laughs> geared around getting them places. Um, but yeah, they're both very active in, in school and very active in sports. And so, um, you know, I, currently um, my daughter just played in a basketball tournament up in Indy this last weekend. And then my son's, uh, I also manage my son's 12U travel baseball team. Um, so uh, we're kicking off at spring now for us, right? We're pretty much into spring. So we're, we're practicing uh, and we've got our first tournament in a couple of weeks. And, and so we're, we're very busy with sports. Um, but, uh, but other than that, I, when I, when I'm not running the kids around, I like fishing, I like, uh, like hunting. Um, I've got an old, like 30 year old boat that I like to get out on Greenwood here once in a while and, and do a little bass and uh, crappie fishing. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much, uh, you know, home projects. I think everybody, right. Kind of always end up getting, getting home projects and stuff they're trying to do, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what keeps me busy these that's, days. Uh, that's, that sounds like a typical life with kids, right? The yep. family thing, right? Yeah. Been, been through that as well. So, and I saw where they just, uh, they just restocked Griffey Lake apparently with some fish. So maybe yeah. you could uh, check out up there too. Local I was home. there the day after they stocked it. A guy had a guy on the pier. Yeah, we were just, took my son to go uh-huh. fishing off the pier. He got a, 
a new uh, got him a new rod and reel for his birthday so he was excited couldn't wait to get try it out so um, we were out there and a guy came up and he was catching a few bass and he told yeah they were just stocked them yesterday he saw <laughs> he was out there I guess so they told me the whole story <laughs> good, good stuff all right um, so uh, so that's pretty much what we had for today but I was thinking about how I offered to Jason last time the opportunity to pick my next guest and that was a little bit of a reward for him for being the guinea pig who was willing to go first but I've been thinking about it and I kind of like that pattern so I would like to offer you the same opportunity if you would like to suggest from our 10 community who else to come sit here with me and have one of these conversations yeah Thoughts? so uh just kind of off the top of my head right i'm gonna go outside the department okay. this time we'll kind of mix it up and get somebody over in w maybe but I'll, i'm gonna i'll nominate john schofield so okay. i Very i think good. john's always interesting to talk to he has a lot of good insight and i, I think he'd be a, a good candidate excellent that sounds good i think he would be all right john i'm coming for you if you listen <laughs> to this so all sorry right. john <laughs> it's all good all right well thanks very much phil it's great talking to you today and uh, thank you to our listeners and we will see you next time for another round of chain chat